0: One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, and for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Good morning, church family. I hope you are doing well, having an awesome Sunday. If you're watching this live, maybe you're gathered in your house church, maybe you're with your family, or if you're joining us catching this later, uh, it is so, so good to be able to speak to you And uh, I'm so glad, I have to say, to be back, back here in Florida. Uh, Many of you know I have been out of town for the last couple of weeks, had an incredible trip uh, with my son, Finn, doing what has kind of become a family tradition for uh, our Johnson family, and that is a father-son trip. Uh, We call it our 12-year-old trip, but we took that trip together. Finn and I had a wonderful time. Uh, in Switzerland and also in Italy and just had a great time touring around, seeing all of the sites and uh, also getting to minister in the SOS Church in Bien and Fribourg, uh, kind of a sister church. Uh, Some friends that we have there and I know... Uh, you've heard from Timothy, Pastor Timothy Zirker before, and we just had an awesome time, but I have to say there is no place like home. It is so, so good to be back, and so even though I don't see you all with my eyes today, I'm seeing you with my heart, and I'm just so eager to be back together with you all uh, next Sunday, and so I hope you'll join us then, but thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for joining us today, and um I want to just also say thank you uh, just for being such a, a wonderful church. Thank you uh, for all that you have done uh, in this season and especially even over the last couple of weeks as I was gone. I was just so blessed uh, getting to hear uh the testimonies from people, hearing the good reports of what God is doing, um, and just the incredible ministry that was happening. Uh, I I hope that you were there last Sunday or if you missed it in person that you have caught Pastor Nate's message uh, last Sunday. It was incredible. What an awesome uh, word from God. And of course the week before that, what a blessing to get to hear from my dad. Um, I just feel so blessed uh, to have such a wonderful church family. And I've gotta give a shout out to Nick DeLangelo for an incredible testimony last Sunday, Dustin Donnelly the week before. And so uh, I just am bursting in my heart with gratitude and love for you all and and, uh, thanksgiving to the Lord for you all. So it's so good to be back. Well, if you have your Bible today, why don't you grab it with me and turn to the book of Joshua. And uh, we are going to continue our series that we have been in. We are kind of uh, making our way slowly, deliberately through the book of Joshua. And we're taking our time because it is rich. I mean, it's like Swiss chocolate, and trust me, I know about Swiss chocolate, okay? Uh, It is rich. It is good stuff in the book of Joshua, and so we're taking our time through it. But if you're just joining us, uh, maybe you've not been a part of this series so far uh, and wondering, what is the book of Joshua all about? Really, if I could sum up the book of Joshua in one word, it's about transition. The whole book of Joshua is about transition. It's about the transition of God bringing His people into uh, the Promised Land. And for Israel, in the historical context of that book, that was in the land of Canaan. It was a place that God had promised to His people. He had promised to Abraham, and now He He fulfills that promise to the descendants of Abraham. And uh, it really is a, a wonderful reminder that God is faithful to fulfill his purpose. And God's purpose for every single one of us is good. He's got a good plan, a good purpose for us. And we see that in the book of Joshua. And it is really the recognition of the great uh, destiny, the great inheritance that God has for every single every single one of us. And it's not just about Israel, it's actually about every person that has put their faith in Christ. Um, What Joshua is to the Old Testament, the book of Ephesians is to the New Testament. Uh, I'd encourage you, as we make our way through the book of Joshua, take time to read the book of Ephesians because it is like a, um, it it reads like an inheritance of all that we have been given in Christ. The first three book, uh, first three chapters of the book of Ephesians uh, is just telling us what we have in Christ. and, And that is what God is revealing in the book of Joshua. And so I know I'm unpacking, I'm giving a little maybe TMI, but I just want to give some context for where we're at today. And I want to pick up, uh, we are teetering on the edge of Joshua chapter 2. Next week we're going to be picking up there, but I want to just take one more week and look at the book of Joshua chapter 1 and kind of springboard out of some of the things that Pastor Nate spoke last week. And so if you have your Bible, Joshua chapter 1, And I'm going to read from verses 10, verse 10 down to 18. And it says this, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go into, possess the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess And the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed all your mighty men of valor and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you. And they also have taken possession of the land, which the Lord, your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it. I love that. Which Moses, the Lord's servant gave you on this side of the Jordan, toward the sunrise. So the answer Joshua saying, all that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage this is an incredible passage that is really continuing uh, the word that God has spoken to Joshua. God has spoken to Joshua saying, uh, I I want you to be strong. I want you to be courageous because you are going to lead the children of Israel. You're going to lead my people and everything that I have for them. And here we see now Joshua relaying that to the children of Israel. And we see this response. They say, we we are with you, just as we we were with Moses, we are with you. And I think that's an important thing. Uh, As we think about leadership, that's an important thing, that there is both the call that comes from God, but there's also the affirmation that comes from people. And there was an affirmation of Joshua's leadership by the people. They said, we're with you, let's go, let's take hold of what God has. For us. But I actually want to draw your attention to just a phrase in verse 11. Joshua says, within three days, you will cross over this Jordan. If you have your Bible, just circle that phrase, three days. Within three days, you will cross over this Jordan. And I, I want to draw your attention today to this period of waiting, three days. Joshua says, you're going to go in, but, but it's going to be three more days before you go in. Now, for the children of Israel, that was probably the last thing they wanted to hear. Three more days, more waiting, because if you know the story of the children of Israel, their whole history had been a period of waiting. In fact, 400 years, God's people had been in bondage, in slavery, waiting for deliverance. Then they're brought out 40 years in the wilderness, waiting to arrive at the promised land. And now here they are, I mean, right at the edge, at the precipice. They can see it. And God has said, I'm going to take you in, but it's going to be three days. Three days. And they are probably going, God, we want to go in and we want to go in now. But I I want you to see the importance of waiting in the purpose of God that every time God has a purpose, there is always a process. And part of that process, whether we like it or not, is waiting, waiting. And I don't know about you, but I hate to wait. Uh, anybody else, you're just un, uh, unashamed to admit that you hate to wait. I hate to wait. Uh, on our trip, we had some times where we were waiting. In Switzerland, the train system is punctual. It is right on time. It is You can set your watch by it. But in Italy, it is laissez-faire. Have a, have a croissant. Have an espresso. Take your time. The train's going to get there, but you don't know when. <laughs> you just wait for it. And we waited for trains. We waited for planes. We waited at the airport. We waited... Uh, along the way. And maybe you can relate to that. Uh, Maybe you're in a period of time in your life right now. Maybe some projects, maybe some goals that you have. uh, Maybe you started out the new year with a lot of expectation and the timeline has not happened in the way that you wanted it to happen. And you find yourself in the place of waiting. I think probably all of us can relate to that. Over the last two years, we probably had more waiting than we've ever wanted to have in our lives. I know today, in our modern day and age, uh, waiting is not something we do. Normally, if we're waiting, if you're in any waiting room, people aren't waiting, they're scrolling. But waiting is a thing if you are uh, maybe 20 years old or younger, waiting is a thing that people used to do (laughs) before there were smartphones, and they just sat there. You just wait. You wait. And that's what God was saying to, to the children of Israel through Joshua as they were on the edge of the promised land, on the edge of the purpose, uh, the purpose of God. Joshua said it's going to be three more days. And I don't know about you, but waiting is often the hardest part in, in receiving God's plan because I want it and I want it now. And the thing about waiting, the reason why I think we hate waiting so much is because in our limited human perspective, we often think that waiting is wasting. I I don't wanna wait, I've got places to go, people to see, things to do, tasks to accomplish, I'm a very important person, my time is valuable, Uh, time is money, and I can't wait. Waiting is wasting. But in the kingdom of God, I want you to see that waiting is not wasting, waiting is working. That's why the psalmist tells us that those who wait upon the Lord, or maybe it's the book of Isaiah, but the Bible says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who wait upon the Lord. And here we find, as. Israel is getting ready to go into everything that God has for them to have this period of waiting. But while they're waiting, God is working. And I want to show you three things that I believe we can learn from this period of waiting that Israel had to go through, that every single one of us, if we want to possess the purpose of God, the promise of God, we're going to go through some times of waiting. And I think there's some things that God wants us to learn from this story. The first thing that I want you to see that God is working in the waiting is that God is working salvation. God is working salvation. You see, Israel was getting ready to go in and possess the land, they were getting ready to go in and drive out the inhabitants of it. But those inhabitants were people too. And they were ultimately people that God cared about. They, they were the Canaanites. And in the first city that, that Israel overtook, it's the city of Jericho. And there was judgment that would come to Jericho. And, and even as we study the book of Joshua, one of the uncomfortable realities for our modern sensibilities is the fact that God told Israel to go in and to destroy their enemies to destroy these people, and it, you know, to our modern ears, our modern minds, that feels so foreign, it feels so uncomfortable. But what I want you to understand is, if you if you look back at the history, ultimately you recognize that God, um, this was God's judgment upon a group of people that had again and again hardened their hearts rebelled against God. They had given themselves over to uh, immorality, sexual immorality, and God's saying, I want you to destroy th- those people because I don't want those people to influence you. If you read Leviticus 18, God warns Israel about allowing the immorality of the Canaanites, specifically this group of people, to affect them. He's saying, I want you to, uh, to, to uh, recognize the negative influence that that can have on, on you. And so God was wanting that influence to be hindered upon Israel so that they would fulfill the purpose that He had for them. But also, we can be encouraged through that, that where there is injustice in the world, God is not oblivious to injustice. God is, God is slow to anger, but there is a moment that comes that He will deal with sin course, we see that ultimately through Jesus upon the cross. And we're going to celebrate Easter. We're going to celebrate Good Friday in just a few weeks time. But Easter and Good Friday in particular is the recognition that God is not unjust. He is just. He will deal with sin. And there was judgment that was coming to Jericho. There was judgment that would come to them because of their immorality, and even uh, they, they were so extreme that they would sacrifice their babies to idols, and God is saying, this is detestable. I won't tolerate it. I won't stand for this injustice. I'm going to deal with it, but, but what I want you to recognize in that is, even in God's judgment, God is still merciful, and God was waiting, and God called the, the children of Israel to wait, because while they're waiting, God is working salvation. There was a woman, and we're going to talk about her next week, a woman within Jericho that to the outward eye and the outward observer would not look like a, a very saved person in our religious definition of salvation. She didn't look very godly. In fact, she was a, a harlot. She was a, a prostitute. But there was the seed of salvation, the seed of faith that had been implanted in her. And God says to Israel, I want you to wait because while you're waiting, I'm working salvation. The Bible tells us in the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that God is not slack concerning His promises as some people consider Him slack or slow, but He's, He's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. You know, so many times we want God's purpose to be fulfilled and we want it to happen right now, but sometimes God delays his His, um, plans in order to accomplish his purpose and his purpose is always salvation. God is in the saving business. He doesn't want anybody to be lost, even in judgment. The door of salvation is always open through Jesus. And God was working salvation in the life of Rahab and for the life of her family. While they're waiting, God was working salvation. I love what God says to the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 18 as he is going into Corinth and working among the Gentile world. And in the natural, there was a lot of reasons why he should have fear, why he should be timid, but I love what God says. He says, do not be afraid. I have many people in that city. I have many people. You may not see the fruit of salvation yet, but the seed of faith is already at work in their hearts. It's already been sown into their hearts, and while you're waiting, God is working salvation. I, I don't know who in your life you're believing to come to salvation. Maybe it's a family member, Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a colleague, a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's your children, let me give you some good news that God it cares more about lost people than we do. God's not willing that any should perish and sometimes he'll delay his plans to accomplish his purpose of salvation. God is working salvation in the waiting. And that's the first thing that I want you to see, God was at work, working salvation. But not only was God working salvation, the second thing I want you to see in the waiting, in these days that they are waiting on the edge, delaying, it would seem, the purpose of God is that God was number 2 working separation. God was working separation. You see at this point we see a, a an unfolding aspect of God's people in this story, and it is that there were two and a half tribes. Of the 12 tribes of Israel, there were two and a half that came up to the Jordan, but they did not cross over. They did not enter in. They actually said, uh, we we actually like it where we're at. We don't want to go all the way over. We know God has promised us this promised land. We know God has given us that promise, but we actually like it here. And in the passage I read, it says that there were even some of those tribes, it was the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. There were even some that went over and saw the promised land. They saw the potential. They saw the fruitfulness. They saw the promise that God had for them, but then they went back to the other side. They, 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 we could say it this way, they just backslid to their comfort zone. And here we really see this uh, danger, perhaps in waiting, that waiting can produce complacency. There there is oftentimes in a season of waiting, there is a separation that happens. You see, for some people, waiting quickens their faith, quickens their expectation, quickens and stirs their their passion for everything that God has. But then there's others that allow the waiting to bring a, a settledness, not in a good way, but a settledness that is just a spiritual complacency. A, a spirit and an attitude that says, I'm just content to stay where I am. Yeah, I know God has more for me. Yeah, I know there's a greater calling, but I, I'm just good here. They, they said, this is a good land. There's, it's good enough. It's good enough. And some people live their lives and, and their spiritual life with just a good enough mentality. Yes, I know God has great things for me, but I'm just content to kind of settle here. Jesus calls that being lukewarm. And the Bible gives us the warning that God would rather us be hot or cold, but lukewarm. He'll spew us out of his mouth. People that would just say, yep, I, I know God. I know he's got a great call, a great purpose. I know, I know he wants to use my life to advance his kingdom, but I'm just kind of content to stay where I am. I actually really love the beach. I actually really, nothing wrong with the beach. I mean, I I love the beach too, but I just love the things that lead my heart away from the purpose of God. And so I'm not going to count the cost. It's too hard to fight the battles. It's too hard to to continue to press in. And so I'm just going to stay where I'm at. And if we've seen anything over the last two years, I would say that there has been a separation that has come to the people of God. Now, I'm not saying that people aren't saved. I'm not saying they're not going to heaven when they die. But you can go to heaven when you die and miss your destiny here on earth. You can lose out on the reward that God has for you. Or I could say this way, the fullness of your salvation. And they said, We love God, we're going to serve God, but we want to just stay on this side. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just look at God's purpose from a distance. I don't want to just look at the promises of God, the goodness of God, and kind of see it at a distance. I want to be in the middle of it. I want to be in the center of God's plan. And, you know, the truth is for all of us, if we've served God for any period of time, we've probably seen people that, that just came to the place where they said, I'm not pressing any further. I'm not pushing any farther. And here's the sobering reality is that God will allow you to stay in the place that you want to stay. Sometimes the, the sobering reality is that God may give us what we want. And if what we want is just to park where we're at, God may give it to us. And that's what God did for these two and a half tribes. But here's the danger I want you to see. you read 1 Chronicles chapter 5, you'll see that when the enemies came against God's people, it was was these two and a half tribes on the edge that were the first ones to go into captivity. Let, Let me say it to you this way. Where we decide to move into complacency, we are in danger of going back into captivity. We are in danger of Uh, It doesn't mean God doesn't love us. It doesn't mean that we won't go to heaven when we die. But we can fall back into a place of spiritual captivity that will hinder us from inheriting everything that God has for us. And while we're waiting, there is a separation that's happening. These last two years, there's been a separation that's happened in the church. Statistically, there's fewer people engaged in church than ever before. Now, this is not about attendance. It's actually about inheritance. It's not about coming to church to check it off so that God will love me more. God doesn't love you anymore based on church attendance, church involvement, reading the Bible. That doesn't make him love you anymore, but it may cause you to miss out on what he has for you. There's a separation that comes. While we're waiting, God is working salvation and God is working separation, and we see Even at the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua saying, you do what you feel is right. I can't force you. But he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I believe that God is giving us an opportunity in this season. When there's so many people that find so many other options and alternatives and so many reasons to park in their comfort zone in a place of spiritual complacency, I believe that God is looking for people that will say, I'm not content to stay where I'm at. I want to move into everything that God has for me. And I don't know about you. Actually, I do know about you, but you and I both, we want to go into everything that God has for I don't wanna see it at a distance. I don't wanna hear about it in other people's lives. I don't wanna look back with regret and say, I wish I had pressed in. I wanna be a person that, that is in that nine and a half tribes that move into everything that God has. So God's working salvation, God's working separation. And the third thing I want you to see in the waiting, God is working sanctification, sanctification. Now I know sanctification is not a word that, um, you know, churches put on their marquees, come here and find, you know, seven keys to sanctification. I know it's not something that most people wake up in the morning going, how can I become more sanctified? But the word sanctification is really about cleaning out the old so that God can bring the new. And Joshua says in Joshua chapter 3, verse 8, he says, Um, Or actually in verse 5, he says, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourselves. Notice he doesn't say sanctify somebody else. It's not about you need to be sanctified. It's about I want to be sanctified. I want God to transform me from the inside out. You see, God had taken the children of Israel out of Egypt. He did that instantaneously. He brought them out immediately, but it took some time to get Egypt out of them. And God is saying here, in this waiting, I want you to sanctify yourselves. I want you to cleanse yourselves. I want you to take an inventory of your life and and evaluate, are there some things from the old that you need to leave behind so that you can move into the new? So you can move into the new thing that I have for you. I love the illustration that that Pastor Nate used last week of going through security at the airport. And I just thought that was a great, great illustration. Uh, Because, you know, there's many of us that want to bring the baggage of the old into the new. We we try to bring some things in. and, And what God is saying is, you can't bring the baggage of bondage into the promised land. You're going to have to get rid of some things. You're going to have to get rid of some attitudes, some mindsets, some fears, some insecurities, some habits, some, some ways of perceiving people. Because I don't want you to bring the baggage of bondage into the promised land and unpack the baggage of bondage in this new place. You you can come out of Egypt, but you can carry Egypt with you into the new place and just replicate Egypt in the promised land. And God is saying, I want you to sanctify yourself, cleanse yourself. And I think just like in the airport um, security line, I think the Holy Spirit wants to put a supernatural x-ray machine. Have you gone through one of those? Put your hands up and feels a little vulnerable. But I think God is wanting to bring the um, sanctifying scan of the Holy Spirit over our hearts, over our lives. The Bible says this in 1 John 3:3. everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as he, Jesus, is pure. Everyone who has this hope, everyone who is who is in a place of expectation that God is taking them somewhere. God's moving us into something. I don't know about you, but I've got hope. I've got some expectation. I'm not looking back. I'm looking forward. God has great things ahead of us. Everybody that has this hope purifies himself. And I think what God is saying is evaluate yourself. Look at your own heart. You know, it's it's kind of, again, to use that great illustration of the airport security. Um, and you, you don't have to get rid of all of those things, but you also don't have to go to where you want to go. But if you want to go to where you want to go and you want to reach your desti- your de- destination, your destiny, you can't take these things with you. And God is saying, in this season of waiting, would would you allow the Holy Spirit to to scan your life, to scan your heart, to scan your mind, to scan your relationships, to evaluate not others, but to evaluate yourself. Is there something in you that is of the old that's a baggage of bondage that God is saying, I love you enough that I'm gonna take some time and I'm gonna delay the plans so I can accomplish my purpose. And I want you to leave that behind because I love you enough that I don't want you to unpack the baggage of bondage in the promised land. I'm bringing you into a good land. And I want to encourage you today, church, wherever you're at, maybe you find yourself in a season of waiting. I know the last couple of years, as I mentioned already, we've all been in a season of waiting to one degree or another, uh, a season of delay, but God is faithful. God is faithful and his purpose will be accomplished. The waiting is not wasting, but while we're waiting, God is working to fulfill his purpose. He's working salvation, he's working a separation, who's willing to press into everything that he has for us and he's working a sanctification, purging the old things out of our lives so that we can move into everything that he has for us and I don't know about you or I do know about you as I said already I do know that you want to move into everything that God has for you and I do too because it's a good land a land flowing with milk and honey a land of purpose a land of blessing a land of provision a land of fulfillment that's what God has for us can I pray for you today Father I thank you for this incredible community Lord What a wonderful group of people that you have brought together. Lord, thank you that you're building your church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And God, as we can find ourselves in whatever circumstances we're in, perhaps it's in our work and maybe what we're believing you for in work, or maybe it's a situation with our family that we're not seeing the progress that we would like, and we find ourselves... In the waiting room, God, I thank you that while we're in the waiting room, Father, that you are working, that you are working salvation. Lord, I pray today for those that have not yet come to salvation. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would work in the lives of people. Lord, that you would, as you did with Rahab, God, that you would set people free, bring them into your plan and your purpose. God, I pray that you would let the separation In our hearts, God, produce a greater faith that we would press into everything that you have for us. God, I pray that if there is anything that we've been holding on to, God, that you're calling us to let go of, God, I pray that today you would release the faith in our hearts, God, to release those things, to confess those things, to let go of those things, because we have this hope, therefore we purify ourselves. God, we thank you for it. In this waiting, you are working. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, church, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I want to encourage you take some time to meditate on this word, to, to talk about it. Maybe there's some things in your life that God wants to help you to let go of so you can move into everything he has for you. Thank you again so much, church. I love you. can't wait to see you next Sunday.